Welcome to this episode of Blended, Blessed, and Always a Mess. I'm Eric. And I'm Angie. We are married with a ton of kids. We have six kids total. He has three and I have three. My name's Hallie and I love riding horses. I'm Lexi and I love agriculture. My name's Carter and I love eating. My name's Chase and I love lifting weights. My name's Summer and I love spending my parents' money. I'm Dane and I love baseball. Our show is about our blended, blessed, and always a mess life. And our hope is if you find yourself in the same situation we are in, that by sharing our story, all the fun, and all the mess, challenges we are experiencing, it will give you some inspirations, laughs, and community, knowing you are not alone in this mess. We appreciate you spending time with us. Let's dive in. We hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Maybe you're still celebrating. I mean, I know people are still celebrating this weekend, so maybe somebody's got a, a Sunday after Thanksgiving meal that you're, you're having or hosting or things like that. But I hope it's been a good weekend so far. Angie, did you enjoy our time together? Yes, I did. You know, Christmas is my favorite holiday. Thanksgiving's just kind of meh for me. But one of the things I absolutely love about Thanksgiving is it is not about the gifts like Christmas gets all about the gifts, right? So Thanksgiving, you're truly just there and spending time with family, eating great food, great desserts, all the pies. All the pies. <laughs> I had some pie yesterday. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you have another piece of pie. They were small so good. slivers. Now, a lot of small slivers make lots of pieces uh-huh. for sure. Yeah. Yes. I had all the coconuts. I love my mom's coconut cream pie loaded with coconut. And then she makes pumpkin pie and puts coconut in it. And it's equally amazing. It's very good. That was my two slivers. Angie's been converting me to someone who likes coconut. I'm not there yet, but I'm we proud met. of your growth in the coconut area. Angie, when we met, I hated coconut, and she loved it. So I've been trying, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm coming around a little bit. That's good. That's for good. sure. It, it was a good weekend. You know, at, at no point, this is a part of the blended thing, right? At no point did we have all of our kids together. It just didn't work out because of work schedules. And that was a bummer. But we did get a lot of quality time with all six kids. We did. If it I wasn't did love at the same that. Time. I did love that. I mean, you naturally always just want all my kids together, but we also knew going into Thanksgiving this year, it wasn't going to be that way. So we didn't have that expectation, but I did feel like we got quality time with every one of the kids throughout the Thanksgiving weekend. So that was nice. I think if you're your blended family, part of that is, and, and even maybe you're not blended, maybe your kids have just grown and now they have families of their own. It's just setting the expectation ahead of time, what's what you're going to get. And it may be time with all the kids at once. It may be time with all the kids individually, but as long as you know the expectation, that seems more manageable to me that way. Yeah, for sure. We um, had a nice little surprise on Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving, we hosted Eric's family, which is small, but you get a ton of quality time together. So that was great. And Lexi and her boyfriend and Carter stopped by. So we knew we were going to see them. And then Hallie and Josh ended up last minute deciding to come up and spend the night, Thanksgiving night, so they could get up early and shop. So it was great to have some quality time with just them, which never happened. So it was good. And then we had Mizzou versus Arkansas football game, which was a last minute add into our schedule. Friday was nice because we didn't really have a lot going on Friday and was pretty low key. So we ended up going and doing that with Adam and Amber, who Adam's from Arkansas and Mizzou beat Arkansas. So it was a good, that good was a day good for game. us. That's it was right. A good game. So it that was really super was. fun. Then we had my family on Saturday, which is a huge gathering. 
There's just more and more people every time. Yeah, as you add boyfriends and girlfriends and spouses, yeah, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so we did that yesterday, and that's where I ate so much pie. And we had lots of gym time, and, and we even added in Friendsgiving with some of our favorite friends yeah. Wednesday evening before it all got started up at Amber and Adam's house. And so I mean, it was a it was, it was a, good for the soul. It was a full weekend of, of heartwarming things, oh, yeah. I thought. But recognizing that that's not every holiday, right? And that's not everybody's experience as well. Like holidays, I think, can bring out amazing energy and fill your soul. And it can also suck the life out of you if you're in a challenging relationship or you're, you know, going through a breakup or, you know, just sometimes it's just there's health issues. It's a struggle and it's, and it's hard. It I think it could just go either way. It's either like great or it's like, oh my gosh, here comes the holidays and and I forget. Be stressful. I mean, there's probably somebody listening. This is their first holiday where they're separated or divorced and don't have their kids for the whole part of that. I I was had a quick text with a friend yesterday and just asking about random work stuff, and they were like, "I didn't have time to think about that." It was my first holiday without my kids full time, and I was like, "Oh gosh, I totally forgot. I'm sorry. Didn't even think about it." So we're thinking about you if you're in that situation. As we started going through that, it, it started making us think. You know, there are different experiences that we go through that can make it challenging. With maybe it's ex partners, maybe. It's it's a relationship that you're currently in, but it, it does happen where some of the negative energy can start to seep in. And we've looked more and more into to what narcissism looks like. Yeah, we've had we've had several of our listeners reach out and we either have been in those relationships ourselves or, you know, even our kiddos have experienced it. And I, I think sometimes we focus in on like partner relationship, but this could also be friendships or even family members. I think the there's a lot more narcissistic behavior out there than maybe what there was 10 years ago. And maybe there's a name for it now, right? Maybe yeah, there's more research know. on it, so we're getting more familiar with it, but you know, you hear the term gaslighting and things like that. And we'll talk about that a little bit as we as we go through today's podcast, but it can make the holidays challenging. Yeah, we, you know, everybody experiences it. We try to call it out. I think that even with our kids, like, okay, now you recognize that, you know, when someone's treating you negatively, that that's really not about you. It's more about what that other person is going through, right? And so we thought we'd kind of talk through what are some of those red flags or those tendencies to just be able to recognize it and go, okay, this actually isn't about me. It's about what the other person is struggling with and they're projecting it. On me. And we love that coworkers too. It happens with coworkers as well. So it, these are all things that I think you'll be able to start to look at red flags, what those might be, and then maybe some ways on how you can handle or deal with patterns of narcissism in, in your different relationships that you're dealing with. And hopefully it can help you get through the holidays just a little bit easier. Yeah, I, I think one of the first kind of little red flags is that sense of entitlement or superiority. So not feeling like there's equality in either friendship or relationship. So, you know, if if someone is portraying that they have the upper hand or actually this just made me think of your little, what, am I a narcissist? What? <laughs> Well, I don't know where are you. You going? said catbird seat a while back on our oh. podcast. It's like someone has the upper hand. I'm just like thinking through this. I'm like, oh shit, is that what you mean by that? I had not thought <laughs> that, but I guess if you wanted to take it that way, you're living the high life over there. No, Shoot, I don't think red flag, it. red flag. I don't think no, but it. I think it's more of someone you know having the upper hand or feeling like that they're not 
and equal to you. You know, it's crazy you bring this up. And I know you have these notes down farther in the in our, our notes for today. But, you know, we just we had church this morning and that was a high point of church was that there are actually seven things that most even though it may feel like our world is really crummy. Right. We have a lot wrong with the world. That's very accurate. But there are seven universal things that most people believe in. And we actually covered four of them this morning in church. And the number one thing was equality and inequality. And Jesus brought equality into our lives. Before that, you know, Aristotle and Plato, you know, some of the greatest philosophers didn't believe in equality. And so if you get into any kind of relationship, whether it's a friendship or with a significant other, where they believe that they're number one and you're going to be number two, that's going to be a struggle in your relationship. Yeah. It's not the way it's designed to be. Yeah. On the flip side, if you're in a relationship and you feel like you're there's true partnership and equality, that's a great sign. Also, there are going to be times, right, where one struggling, where it may feel like that's an imbalance, where you have to kind of lean in. That's totally normal. Like, we're all going to have ups and downs where that might not feel like it's complete equality. But if it's a consistent thing, probably a little bit of a red flag. Yeah. So one of the other things that that you'll see in narcissistic patterns of behavior is a lot of manipulation. Some people call it gaslighting, but it's the manipulation of making making you feel like you've done something wrong that's not picking that person up enough. When really it's, as we've said over and over again, that person's dealing with something, but they want to feel like they're superior. They want to feel like they matter the most in whatever the relationship that is. And so they start to manipulate behavior and you can tell, like you can tell, it's like, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't understand what I'm, what I'm in trouble for. Well, I don't understand what happened. Sometimes you can't happened. tell because you're used to it, right? Well, and you can't true. see outside of it, you know? So that's also, if you've got friends sharing concern, don't, don't just ignore them, right? If you're in a situation where others see it and you don't, that might be a little bit of a red flag. I think another one that we talk about all the time in our house is empathy. Like I am a firm believer in that like if you could pick a one thing to really hone in on is being able to empathize with other people. And a lot of it is is just being compassionate, right? And not just taking like if someone treats you poorly, I think it's being able to unpack that a little bit and being able to empathize with them to really try to understand what is what is truly happening. But if someone cannot empathize with other people, that's a That's huge red huge flag. Huge red flag. And compassion was another one of those words in church this morning yeah. that we can all, if you, you've got to have compassion for those that are struggling. And, you know, it, I would say that is definitely one of the biggest ones. If someone sees someone and they're clearly in a situation that's not of their making and they're struggling and they just like, well, that's just what they get. Or I don't, I don't care. It's not my problem. Yeah. Can't that, see past themselves. That lack of empathy is such not, a huge red flag. Not good. I mean, if somebody never wants to help another person in need, Probably not a good sign, a strong sign of narcissism that they believe that people below them are where they are for a reason and, and they should stay up high. Now, something else is, is just the narcissist needs to be admired on a regular basis and they need to be number one. And that happens even like in parent kid relationships. Right. You know, I mean, if, if, if a kid isn't treating the parent the way they want to be treated, they, they are number one and you will bow down and respect everything. I mean, it's very biblical to honor your father and mother. In a healthy way, right? If you're not, you don't, you're not, your job as a child isn't to lift your parent up. That is definitely not the job. And a lot of times in the form of the narcissist, they want a kid to make them feel better about themselves, which kids are not equipped for that. Or do they, they don't even know how to handle that. You're supposed to be lifting your child up 
right? And helping your child grow mentally and physically and emotionally and all those things. And a lot of times the narcissist isn't doing that. The narcissist will be cutting the child down uh, more often than not because, you know, they want to stay on top. To make themselves feel better. That's right. Yeah. I, I tell the kids all the time, you know, because with boys, with Chase and, and Carter and Dane, they always want to beat me at things. And I'm, they seem to think that I don't want them to beat me. I absolutely do. I tell them all the time. I absolutely want you to be better than me. I'm not going to give that to you. Like I'm not one of those parents that's ever going to intentionally lose a a ping pong game or a game of one-on-one basketball. Like I'm going to give you my all. I want you to beat me. I want you to be better than me. But a lot of times in the narcissistic world, the, the parent wants to continually always be better than the child so that the child knows that they're not their equal, which I just, yeah, that's cringeworthy to me because at some point you're going to grow and the, the switch should flip to where you would need your child to take care of you, right? I mean, and at that point, what do you do? You have to bow down to your child. It should be, again, an equal partnership, just like it is in a relationship or a friendship. Yeah. And I think that strong need for admiration is when another sign kind of related to that is when they talk about themselves all the time, right? And they can't like even ask another person a question like, well, how was your day? There's like a joke kind of around that is, you know, red flag is if someone is like, they go on and on about themselves. And then it's like, hey, but enough about me. How do you feel about me? Like, it's just a constant (laughs) flip back to them. That's draining for sure. So, you know, another another one is just controlling behavior. Also tied back to church today is the control aspect of it is that you you should not be in a relationship where you feel like the property of somebody or that they are in control of your life. Like you should be in a true partnership, friendship, whatever, to where you're, you go back to equality, but also one person's not trying to control the other. Yeah. Have you now, ever... there's a, there's agreements and partnerships, right? I mean, budget, parenting, all of that stuff. But you as an individual should not feel like you're being controlled. Yeah. I think a great example of that is if you've ever been in a relationship, friendship, where when you're around that person, it feels like you're walking on eggshells. Because you don't know what word is going to make them snap, what word is going to make them completely change their mindset. And you're like, what just happened? Like, I I don't even know why their mood just switched that badly. And then they're in anger and there's backlash for I mean, days. I mean, they, they're going to make sure you know that you have upset them for days. There's no forgiveness involved in that. It's just yeah, continually you beat you down. Modify your behavior that you normally wouldn't do just so someone you know, doesn't get aggressive. Big red flag. Yeah. Big red flag. Another one that's common, this one's a little bit more challenging, is just if someone has difficulty taking feedback about their behavior. Now, I will say no one (laughs) likes feedback. I don't like it. Everybody, I mean, you just, I don't care who you are. You can say you love feedback, but that initial reaction of feedback is going to probably sting. What you do next is what's important. It's not saying, oh, hey, give me feedback. I love it so much. <laughs> People don't say They might say That's that, funny. but they don't. It's, there's no way they don't get an initial right. like sink. However, what really matters is that next step. Are they going to truly listen, take the feedback, and make adjustments as necessary? That's probably 
more of the key around feedback. So yeah, and then it, what's their reaction? Is it overreactive to where they just then they hang on to it and they keep, keep beating you back up. down? Oh well, you think that? Oh well, you think? Then you're like, okay, I'm sorry, it's not what I meant. I mean, yeah, those well, are right some of the because behaviors. then you're not going to give feedback. I mean, we, you and I have had this just a little bit. I think in any real relationship. You have to be able to give each other feedback. Mm-hmm. Are people good at it? No, I'm not good at it. We even you know? try to find ways like, do you mind if I would just share this thought right. with you? And but we've both done like, it. Ugh. We've both in different scenarios have brought it back up in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So it's not that people are amazing at feedback, but I would say in general, if if that is a big issue and you can't work through it, because communication is number one. Feedback is part of communication. So that might be another red flag. And then also if you feel like they only care about you when they're getting something out of you or you're serving yeah. a purpose for them. It's manipulation. It's manipulation. They don't, they don't want a true partnership, relationship, friendship with you. They're just using you. Right. Right. It's interesting too because I think a lot of people tend to kind of be attracted to that personality type because – the initial onset of the relationship is their life of the party. They have a big personality. It's super fun, you know, in that those early stages. But if you start getting into a situation where that sort of changes and it ends up being more controlling, just you just have to be in tune what with I've, how you're feeling in any type of friendship, partnership. My personal experience with it in friendships, partnerships, relationships is that person's really good for a while, right? Until they realize that now I have you in a relationship and I have you as my friend and now I'm going to treat you like crap because I can. And they're not coming out of that behavior. And it's I think it's where you see abusive patterns of behavior, whether that's physical or emotional abuse. That person knows once they've got you at a certain point, now they can treat you however they want. And you're going to be after enough, puppet. After enough beat down, you're not going to fight back anymore. And so those are the scary things. Then how do you get out of that relationship? And it's just like it's it's not fun in that regard. So those are the things to to pay attention to and watch out for for sure. It's so it's just so interesting why think how things happen too, because we were talking about this being a topic because it's just kind of weighing on our hearts. We've, you know, just seen it in a wide variety of relationships and it's just it's it's challenging even just to be on the outside of it. And then we didn't record the podcast this weekend like we normally would. And, you know, we normally have it released on by 6 a.m. on Sunday. And it's like, there's no way we can fit it in with all the holidays. And so we, we just decided, you know what, we'll do it Sunday after church. Then we get into church and the whole topic is around basically relationships, your relationship with God, just how what he has given to us all. And then they start talking about the four values that he's across the board, whether you believe in, in God or not that fundamentally humans do believe in these four values. And we just kind of touched on it, whether it's equality, that everybody's equal, doesn't matter the rank, race, religion, gender, sexuality. Everybody fundamentally does believe that we should be treated equally. And then the compassion side of it. Empathy. That's yeah. Empathy, being able to just treat everybody fairly, not the weakest members, which back to the narcissist, a lot of times it is... <laughs> targeted towards weaker people that don't stand up for themselves, right? Consent. That's abuse. That's abuse. We we fundamentally all believe that the 
powerful have no right to force themselves on each other. So no one should force themselves, their opinions, their thoughts, their actions, whatever on you. Right. So that's another one that we all fundamentally believe in. And then just freedom, like we talked about, just you're not the property of someone. And I think a lot of times people, I think there's tendencies sometimes in marriage to think that. But what I've always told Eric, too, when we met is like one of the things I feel like happens sometimes in where you've been divorced and then you get remarried is by the time that all happens, you're really two whole people and you should never get in a situation where you feel like you have to fix someone or you, you know, they should be able to come to the table as a whole person and you enter into a partnership, not one having power over the other. So I do, I do love that. That was something that I was looking for because I don't want to control the other person or fix someone. (laughs) I want to be there for them, support them, lift them up. But I think that goes back to that freedom. And we've talked about that a lot. Like, I want you to feel like that you're free to go do what you need to do, whether it's playing with the kids or self-care, you need gym time, all of that stuff. Go to a ball game. Because I don't want to control you. I should not feel like I'm controlling of you. And I think that's, I'm very passionate about that. And I think that's also why it like hurts when I see other people in situations where they're being controlled. So just keep that in mind. I mean, these are four values coming from God. Yeah, to I mean, us. So whether you apply that however you want, you can apply it to the workplace, you can apply it to friendships, relationships, all the things. And I think also if you do find yourself in a struggling relationship, friendship, there's a few things I think that you could just keep in mind, right? You can't change people, nor do you have the power to change another person. So it's working and educating yourself and looking internally like, okay, what do, what do I need? Right. And why am I drawn into this particular situation? And a lot of times that's hard to do. It is super hard to pause, feel the emotions and really dig deep based on what your mind is. You know, sometimes your mind plays tricks on you too. what's real. Sometimes it's maybe your parent was that type of personality. Right. And that's what you know. Sometimes it's that your own self-worth is low. And so you don't maybe feel like you deserve better or can can do better. Sometimes you're just more comfortable with a partner that's in control versus someone that's more passive. So I think that's the first thing is like internal reflection. And that applies to any challenges that you're going through, taking time. I think something that's a really big is you're asking yourself questions like, am I in a relationship with a narcissist is start to look at yourself and go, wait, have I changed now? Because you said a second ago, you can't change someone. You can't. But in that relationship initially, I think you believe, okay, well, at the beginning, this person was good. So there's good in there and I can change them into that person. But then what happens is that person is in their narcissistic behavior and abusive narcissistic behavior sometimes starts to change you and who you are. And so if you ask you, whoa, who have I become? And why have I become this person? That's really weird to me. I've never been like this before. That could be your yourself, your inner self reacting to the new narcissistic relationship that you're in that you've never been in and that you're not used to being in. And that's a, that's a great question to mm-hmm. ask yourself. Have I changed because of the relationship that I'm in? Well, and I think what also happens is whether you are co- codependent before you kind of become codependent. And there's a great book out there um, called Codependency No More. Melody Betty's wrote it. I think that's how you say her last name. Betty or Beatty. I Beatty. Know. I don't know. Yeah. And it's 
it's where you really feel like you can, someone else's problems are your problem and that you you want to change who they are. You kind of don't focus on yourself anymore and you get really ab- absorbed with the other person. And maybe then you're kind of get to a point where you're scared to be alone. So there's a lot of great books out there to read. This one is really good, though, even if you don't even think you're in a, you're codependent. Just reading it is a great just sort of self-reflection on on relationships, how to see it more clearly. And so I guess at this point, talk a little bit about things that you can do if you are dealing with, maybe you're dealing with an ex, you know, you listen to the podcast because you're part of a blended family, you're dealing with an ex or you're trying to get out of that relationship. It's just some things that you can do to try to deal with narcissistic behavior. And some of that is to work on yourself get a counselor and start to see um, your own self-worth. You have to see that you do matter and that you, you know, what that narcissistic person in your life is doing to you is not you. And, and they, they want you to feel like it is so that you stay down in a hole, but that's not true. And so starting to see someone, counselor, um, that can help you to rebuild your self-esteem and know who you are as a person and to help you find your joy again, because, you know, the narcissist wants to steal your joy. That's going to that's gonna be one step that you can take to start helping yourself get away from that relationship. Well, we live in a comparison world, especially with social media. And I think that's the number one challenge. You you think you ha- that everybody else has it figured out and your comparison is the death of joy. So know you as an individual were cr- created by God and you matter and you're, you're worthy. You just got to stop comparing yourself and thinking, oh, everybody else is, they got it figured out. Yeah. And then you have to set boundaries. And sometimes that means completely cutting off that person in your life. It means that you're, I'm not having this conversation with you anymore. Or, you know, maybe it means that you're getting a divorce. Maybe it means that you're just not friends with that person anymore. But setting boundaries is going to be the biggest thing that you can possibly do because you know who you are, what your worth is, and you can kind of know what your instincts are telling you. And, and it's very important that you set healthy boundaries to get away from the narcissistic behavior, especially if it's an abuse abusive, narcissistic relationship. Yeah. And I would just say, trust your instincts, right? Like I think your own personal instincts go a long way and understanding like your role in that relationship, like you can only focus on what you can control when you can't control the other person. So, you know, if, if things are not feeling good, then you've got to really take some, take some action and really communicate what's not okay. And yeah, unfortunately, there might be tough choices or or the other person. I mean, people can, they can change, but there's a strong but here. The other person has to recognize what the challenge is and what the problem is. So, you know, you can communicate like communication is the number one, but that other person really has to admit and acknowledge and want to change. And that's that's really you know, would be the win-win in a situation, right? That they recognize it and they want to work on themselves and then you can be supportive in that area. But thinking that you can force someone to change, I mean, they have to first recognize that, okay, this isn't healthy for me either. And I've got my own demons that I have to deal with because no one is perfect, right? Everybody has their level of baggage that they bring to any friendship relationship. But to recognize, that's the first step is to recognize it. Like this isn't going well. This isn't who I want to be either. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to, you said earlier, you can't change someone and you can't, but that person can, if they decide to change themselves, you think about like um, an alcoholic that 
decides they're going to be sober. I mean, that change starts with them. It's not you. Like, I can't force someone to want to get sober or or give up drugs, right? They have to make that change on their own. And it can happen. The only thing you can do is set boundaries, right? It can happen, but they have to be the one that says, oh, gosh, I don't like this person that I am. And I'm going to spend a lot of time working on myself and becoming a better version of myself. Yeah. And that's so difficult because for everyone, it's so scary to look inward. Like no one is comfortable facing their internal struggles. It's easier just to mask it up and and move on. So yeah, the work has to be done on their part before you could probably really truly move forward. Yeah. And some of the things you'd see if, if somebody actually was trying not to be narcissistic anymore, they would start to show empathy for others and they'd practice compassion and self-compassion and they would treat you differently or kids differently or other friends differently. And everyone would start to see there's a different kind of behavior that is happening here in those situations. So, you know, friendships or relationships drain more from your cup than are filling you up. It might be time for you to look inside and better understand why that's happening and and why are you still friends with that person? And what questions can you actually ask yourself at that point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you could on the flip side, you know, those are red flags, but that you, you know, you might want to watch out for. But, but what's, what is a healthy relationship look like? And we can dive into that a little bit. I mean, I think honesty and whether that honesty is hard, right? Like true honesty in a relationship and being able to openly communicate your feelings, what you're experiencing being completely honest with that other person. That's key. I mean, if you, aren't honest and don't have an honest kind of dialogue with your partner, that's challenging, but that's healthy, right? If you can do that, that's a great sign of a healthy relationship. No imbalance of power. Like we've talked about partners respect each other's independence. Partners can make their own decisions without fearing the other person's going to be mad. Again, uh, there's not going to be retaliation and you share in big decisions. And again, if you get out of whack on those things, if you get out of balance, if you feel like you're in a relationship where you're walking on eggshells, very likely that you're in a narcissistic relationship. And it doesn't mean that you get your way all the time, right? You know, there's a lot no. of times where we come to the table and talk about the shared decision, I think, is is critical. And I'm not I'm not 100% great at that. I continue to work on that. I'm just so used to just making the decisions. So just how my entire life has been, I feel like, is like, okay, all right, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Okay, you know. So I, yeah, I'm working on that. Right, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I had a thought on that too. Yeah. yeah. But it's, you do work But we on talk it. about it. Yeah. We talk about it. And then we, we grow from that because I think we both, we don't love feedback, but we appreciate the feedback and it just creates that level of vulnerability and trust with each other that we know, you know, we can grow together because the other person's being honest yeah. and we're, we're in, in it together. So just those to tell- are just some positive things to look for in a relationship. Yeah, just to tell myself a little bit back on the other way, it would be like the way when you and I first met the way I parented kids. I was pretty strict and rigorous and, and I didn't necessarily want the feedback of thinking, have a little more grace in my parenting style, maybe not as loud and things like that. And that's been a challenge for me to work on. But because we're in a, a relationship that's more 50-50 and we're only one of us is a little bit in the catbird seat, like it's been <laughs> able to, you know, be more balanced. In I the climb off the catbird seat every once in a while. <laughs> in that regard, that I want to, you know, change my parenting style for not just you, but for all the kids so that they can see what, you know, what a a caring father that shows grace can look like. And so that's where we're at with that. Yes. Growth, growth mindset. Are are people willing to adapt and, and grow? Because again, we don't all have this figured out, right? Yeah. We don't. 
So that's this week's topic on narcissism. A lot of great resources out there. Feel free to reach out to us if you're in one of those relationships. We'd love to visit with you more on our social media about that. Obviously, the holiday is officially upon us as we are at the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and that means a stressful time. Hopefully, it's a joyous time where you can reflect, wait for the coming of Jesus. But if if you know it's a stressful time, feel free to reach out as well, because like we say all the time, we're all in it together. We're trying to build community so that we know that we're not alone in this mess. So with that, we hope you have a wonderful week. Enjoy some time with your family and friends. Don't wait to start your Christmas shop until the last minute. (laughs) My wife's crushing that. Yes, we're we're way ahead. We have a little system. Yeah. I buy the gifts, Eric wraps. Works out. It's a give and take right there. (laughs) Have a wonderful week. We can't wait to talk to you next week on Blended Blessed and Always a Mess. Thanks so much and God bless. Thank you for listening to Blended Blessed and Always a Mess. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at blendedblessedalwaysamess.com. Reach out to us on any of our social channels. We would love to hear from you. Have a great week.